Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Game Rivals. I am your host, Maximilian X, coming to you from the interwebs, as always. Guys, gamers, rivals, we gotta talk. There's a lot to talk about, and I want to do it in as concise a time as possible, because it's a lot of information that just happened over the past couple of weeks. I honestly wish... This, like, I would be able to do more in terms of, like, covering news, because, holy crap. You would think that getting to the end of the year, like, the most controversial thing would be a game being delayed. You'd think that, right? That's usually the thing at the end of the year, or that, like, the entire month of October is once again filled to the brim with so much games that you don't even have the time or the money to spend on. But no, apparently, it's the season for controversy. And we're going to start off with the big one, yeah? If you're using, watching this on YouTube, um, you already saw the intro, and you already know what we're going to be talking about. But if not, so we're going to go back about a week and a half. Um, and we have to talk about Unity. Because Unity uh, as a company was... <clears throat> how do I say this? Polite. Like they were trying to gouge their developers. Their customers. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. They were trying to gouge their customers, which is their developers. Not, not gamers. Gamers were going to be handed a unreasonably a lot of power with this change that they were going to implement as of January of next year, which would have retroactive consequences for their customers, i.e. the developers that use the Unity engine. What am I talking about? I'm pretty sure you've heard of it. If not, strap in strapping rivals because this one is a doozy this one is such a gosh darn doozy i don't even know what to think of it after it's all been said and done because it has at this point been said and done but i am gonna bring you back to when this first dropped so september 12th unity uh posted a blog on their on their website uh, an update blog pertaining to changes that were coming to their terms uh, terms and conditions and specifically to their subscription and payment fees pertaining to if you're a developer. Um, starting like this, the 1st of January 2024 and also having retroactive uh, uh, implementations in there. And what they were doing is they were changing the way they were going to charge or not even changing they were going to yeah they were changing the way they were going to charge developers um access to the unity engine as well as add additional fees now this is nothing new like subscriptions to services something like unity change right over time you have like inflation you have you know, like expanding what the engine can do and like what a developer needs 
stuff like that you know so stuff can change depending on like what level of developer you are and like what kind of project you're gonna make with the system with the with, with the engine so they decided that you know we're not making enough money from just the subscriptions so we're gonna create more we're gonna create more fees for the subscriptions we're gonna charge uh free users who are free like the using the unity personal version um we're gonna start charging those and we're going to also charge developers 20 cent per install if they hit certain thresholds now if i am not mistaken this threshold um was gonna be uh, a revenue of 200k uh, in one year and uh, 200k installs over the lifetime. Uh, while Unity Pro and Unity Enterprise uh, accounts had to reach a million in revenue and one million lifetime installs for the fee to kick in. Now this fee would have been 20 cents. You think twenty cents per what, like sale? You know what? Even that, as scummy as that sounds, would have been somewhat acceptable if you take out the fact that this was also supposed to be retroactive. But, how, <laughs> however, they decided no, not per download, not per purchase, per install. Which means whenever a person installs the game on their system, it counts towards 20 cents per install, regardless of how many systems you have, on how many devices you install it on, the developer gets charged 20 cents. And if you look at something as small if you look at a small developer like odds are you won't reach that and even if you did um if you did it basically just wipes away your profit now bigger developers um would also be hit with this but the runtime fee would be lesser i think it's like uh for like pro devs it's between two and fifteen uh two cents and fifteen cents even then even though it's less like you're talking about like Bigger projects that, you know, make a bigger revenue. You're still taking a pretty decent chunk out of that one. And here's the funny part. Because of this, I found out that, for example, Genshin Impact is a Unity project, which baffles my mind because I didn't think Unity was able, the Unity engine was capable of, like, doing that level of fidelity. But now it does actually explain how the game achieves that level of the fidelity and runs on mobile. Um, I'm not saying that, like, because, like, the thing is, Unreal does... I don't know if Unreal still supports mobile. Once upon a time, that was, like, the engine to use on mobile, like, way back in the day. I'm, like, talking, like, 2010? <laughs> 2011? Um, with, like, uh, what was infinite blade or whatever i forget what that was called like the e the epic game that they put on like uh, ios and stuff so, uh, it's a whole thing but yeah unity 
like runs a lot of popular games, especially on mobile and on Switch and on PlayStation and on Xbox and, of course, on PC, but also in browsers, which, oh, yeah, so you think, okay, um, an install doesn't mean browsers, right? So apparently uh, Unity Browser still uses the runtime uh, like encapsulator to run the games in browser. So running it in browser counts as an install. So if you were to think about it in that regard, refreshing the gosh darn browser that has the Unity engine in it counts as an install. I think we don't know because Unity said, oh, trust us, bro. We're able to track this shit between official installs and gosh darn pirated games. Yeah, that was also a thing that came out. Like, people, like, developers were, like, asking, like, well, what about pirated games, right? They're like, oh, trust us, bro. We know the difference between a game that was bought legitimately and a game that was pirated. We will know the difference and we won't charge you for that. And there, also the other question was, of course, what happens if someone like can like repeatedly reinstalls the game? Will they be charged for that? The answer was yes, they will be charged for the installs. So if you had like a if you had like a hate campaign and gamers united under that, because let's let's be clear here. The internet is a powerful place. It's a scary place where, like, really bad actors can come together, organize for some stupid reason, and then pull stupid stuff like, say, review bomb a game on Metacritic or on Steam, right? Now, imagine, like install bombing a developer to like complete bankruptcy that was a scary thought i am saying what was because in the week and a half since um unity has had to backpedal a lot between unity employees quitting unity because Apparently, this was something that was in the works for quite some time, and the Unity employees were pushing against it, like, a lot. And then they just dropped it anyways without consulting any developers, any publishers, and even their own staff. They just decided, we don't care about you guys. We're just going to move ahead anyways. So they moved ahead. That didn't work out well for them at all and now they have been backpedaling since they issued an apology um there were death threats against like the unity buildings and specifically the unity leadership so they even had to like close the offices for a brief period and people were like oh like which which like like five head idiot was like issuing death threats apparently the death threats were coming from inside the house because it was a the employee from unity that was doing the death threats i can't even make this stuff up it is just 
insane that it has to come to that level of just craziness that someone from Unity Unity has to do that just to get attention about how bad these ideas are. And like a whole bunch of developers, of course, gave their two cents about it and were like, oh, well, this like throws like literally years and years of like development away. It was making developers super nervous. It was making developers super depressed to work on their projects in Unity. And you had a bunch of them that were saying like, we're going to be porting our project to other engines. We're going to look into like porting our games to other engines. And it's so sad, right? Because you've spent like the the best parts of your life, the best couple of years of your life, developing a game with passion, with love, in an engine that you trusted to make sure it would deliver on your vision of a video game. And all of it is a sudden, they are just about to completely ruin that for for either a, either an individual or a small group of individuals or a big group of individuals uh, when it comes to like bigger projects like Honkai Honkai Star Rail at you know Genshin Impact Pokemon Go I didn't even know that it's like okay so now what so they started backpaddling and like backpaddling some more and then over the past weekend, they finally kind of sort of relented. They, in their words, talked to like their employees. They talked to the development community. They obviously talked to the lawyers from like Microsoft and Activision and blah, blah, blah. Because, oh, yeah, part of that was like, so what about games for Game Pass? I know I'm getting going all over the place, but like try and keep up. Um, what about games that are installed through Game Pass? Like, a lot of people install games through Game Pass bastards. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. It's going to be fine. We're going to charge, like, the platform holders for that one. So, like, anything that's, like, downloaded through PlayStation Plus or, uh, like, Game Pass and, to a lesser extent, like, games on trial on Nintendo Switch Online. Um, yeah, we're going to charge the platform holders for that one because they're the ones that are publishing it at that time it's like well so what if we put it on steam you're gonna charge steam you're gonna charge steam 20 cents an install do you know how many projects of freaking unity there are on steam bro i can't even like i can't even imagine that all these like big big like publishers and like housings and like stuff like that definitely send their lawyers after unity to say like you're brah uh yeah no you can't do that and that i have to believe that that is partially the reason why they like backtrack so hard right so hard right that um that they eventually went back on their word so they changed uh, so they changed that. Um, and gosh darn, where, where the hell is garbage? Did I not? Um, so they changed that. And now the way it works is as follows. 
So basically, changes are still coming January 1st. The runtime fee now is like gone for people using Unity Personal, right? Um, I think it still applies to people that use Pro and Enterprise, but um, they upped it, right? So I think, uh, let me see. Yeah, so the personal plan will remain free, which was already kind of like a dubious, so that still remains free, and the runtime free will not be built for Unity personal projects. Um, it's also increasing how much revenue devs can make on games uh, made using this free version of the engine. The old limit was 10K, 100K, now the new limit is 200K um, before you know the revenue, revenue split. Um, devs don't need to use a made with Unity splash screen that are using the free version, which I guess that's the reason why you don't see it on a lot of games because like big titles probably use the enterprise version or the pro version, which allows you to not use the made with Unity splash screen. But now the option, now the option is also there for free, free versions of the game. Um, which honestly, I think at this point, it's just good. Because nobody using the free version wants to admit that they're using Unity. But I'm pretty sure devs can tell when a game is made in Unity. Um, <laughs> like I said, like I, even I didn't know that um, uh, Pokemon Go was like made in Unity. What the hell? Um, and uh, yeah, so Unity also says no game with less than a million. In, tra and in trailing 12 months, Unity will be shipped to the runtime. So they moved up the the runtime fee is still a thing. They just moved up the goalpost. It's not applicable to uh, people using the personal plan. I'm assuming it's still applicable to people that use the pro and enterprise plan. Uh, except for now, instead of like getting to like the 200k, it's now like a mil, um, which is still kind of shitty. Um, but at least the runtime fee for like enterprises is like considerably less, so that is something okay. Uh, runtime fees aren't going away though, yeah, they're not going away. Uh, for games that are subject to the runtime fee, we're giving you a choice of either 2.5% revenue share or the calculated amount based on the number of new people engaging with your game each month. Unity says both of these numbers are self reported from data developer. From data developers already have access to, and that the studios will always be built for the lesser amount. So now the self-report does not come from inside the house. It comes from your house. So as a developer, you have to be like, oh, yeah. Um, so this is the amount of money that we made. This is the amount of like installs that we've, like uh, downloads that we've had. And based on that, Unity will always build them for the lowest amount which is better than what it was before because that now you can choose because now um, you don't have to choose. Um, but now based on whatever is smaller, you get built for that. So if the installs are smaller, but you have a higher revenue, you don't get built based on the revenue. If you have less revenue, but more installs then based on the revenue you've made, they take two and two and a half percent. Which is actually not that bad <laughs> compared to like two, like two profit share of revenue of 
a million. And it, like I said, they took away the retroactive. So any titles that have come out, any titles that were already in working are exempt. So Hoyaverse does not have to pay <laughs> an absorbent amount of money to uh, Unity um, just because of the success of their current projects. Um, they will be built for future. But now here's the question. Will they still use Unity back then um, at that point in time? I don't think Hoyaverse minds because Hoyaverse has a lot of money. <laughs> um, but yeah, that is that is basically the uh, the whole thing. And that took way, way too long to like, explain. Had a little bit of a tangent there. But yeah, like this was really big. So I have to like talk about this in depth and cover as much as possible. So here's the deal. I'm going to try to make this as quickly as possible. Here's the deal. If you're a developer right now and you're using Unity, there's a little, there's a little like light at the end of the tunnel. You're able to finish your project without any worry of the runtime fee. If you're a Unity personal user, even better, you don't have to worry about the runtime fees at all at this point in time. Saying at this point in time, because once a company has done something, has tried to do something and failed, you know for damn skippy they're going to try it again, but implement it in a lot slower and less invasive manner. The fact that the runtime fees haven't disappeared is proof of this fact. Like personal users, this is a ticking time bomb. Let's be real here. It's a ticking time bomb. At this point in time, if you're a Unity personal user, use the engine to finish your project. Once that's done, start looking for another engine to use. A lot, one engine that was brought up a lot was an open source engine called Godot. Maybe start looking into that and looking at how that works. Maybe step over to Epic and use the Unreal Engine. I hear the the the, the what's it called again? The, what's this? The 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 Valve Engine. The Valve Engine. Try that. Maybe look into that. I know that's not great for two D projects, but at least it's something if you're working on a three D project. Two D projects are going to be interesting because, like, the real reason why people use, especially the, like indie devs use Unreal Engine or not Unreal Engine, but Unity, is because it's really good with two D. Like, if you have a two D project, Unity was the way, was the way to go. Which is kind of ironic considering the fact that Unity started out as Unity 3D. But apparently, for some reason, their engine was really good for making 2D platformers. So they dropped the 3D from the name and just went on as Unity. Which honestly makes way more sense. The Unity 3D thing made it more like they were like a 3D company. So like they were making 3D content and that was not really the case. It's just a game dev engine um so yeah i don't know if like godot is like good for 2d but considering that it's open source that means that hopefully there's a there's a godot community big enough there to accommodate all the the 2d projects that like developers would want to make in godot um i don't know i've never touched godot before i didn't even know that it existed until this whole thing dropped anyway finish your project I see I keep getting in the tangent. Finish the, pro finish the project, 
Look for another engine to port to start working with. If you're a 3D developer, honestly, like Epic has a pretty good revenue split. Um, the only downside is like to like engage in that revenue split, it has to be like an Epic exclusive for like a year or something. Not great, but it's better than nothing. Um, and then you have, of course, like I said, Godot, and I think there's like a couple of other. I think is Game Maker still a thing? I'm assuming Game Maker is still a thing. I don't know. Um, if you're an an RPG or specifically a JRPG family, of course you have RPG Maker um, that you can use to make like JRPGs, um, 3D JRPGs, not 3D, 3D JRPGs. I'm yeah, 3D JRPGs. Um, Pixel Maker, uh, Pixel. Yeah, Pixel Maker. Yeah, is a is a two D I think platformer like style engine. I think from the same developers as uh, RPG Maker. That's another one. I don't know how great it is as a like game engine, but <laughs> it's another option. Um, but yeah, like there are options out there. Uh, look for the one that fits your game the best possible that fits your portfolio the best part that fits your finances possible as best possible but maybe be more hesitant when using unity like from this point onwards um like once you're done like if you can find another like game engine to use that is good and versatile i'd say go for it um because like seriously like what else are you gonna do right you can't, like, the trust is eroded. It's gone. Whatever trust was left of Unity, that has to be rock bottom right now. And let's be real. All Unity has done is stem the bleeding. We know that they're probably going to do something in the future. Probably not soon. But down the line, they'll probably make it as bad as it was when they first announced the runtime fees. Because those aren't going anywhere. And I can only see them making it worse. So that is it for Unity. Gosh darn, that was that almost took like a half hour. Um, because there was another big there's actually another big thing that hit the beginning of this week. I'm gonna talk about that real quickly because there's not a lot of information going on about that one. Sony got hacked. Like the whole company got apparently hacked by a ransomware group that recently popped up. Um, and they said they have everything. They didn't say how many terabytes of information they had. They said they had like amounts of like content, like as in what was it, six, six, sixty thousand stuff. Yeah, it's it's weird. Um, there's not a lot of information on that one, other than that they uh, are not ransoming out the information. They are going to sell it because they tried to ransom it to Sony and Sony declined to pay them. So now they're going to sell it within the next couple of days. They showed some slides of what they potentially had, like stuff to prove that they have the information that they have. The only thing I know right now is that Sony has, of course, implemented like uh, uh, an investigation, started, started an investigation into these ransomware uh, peeps uh i'm sure they're gonna get their comeuppance uh assuming that it's true it's super weird it's super vague and the funny thing is this is not even the first time if true if true and they have what they have on sony 
and now let's forget it's not Sony is not just PlayStation. It's like the movies, the music, um, other stuff, you know, like electronics um, and all that jazz. So, yeah, we don't know exactly what they have. And at worst, they might have access to, like, customer information, (laughs) which is like a big yikes because Sony specifically, like, well, Sony itself had a big hack like a couple of years ago that leaked a bunch of stuff. Um, mo- mostly movie wise, uh, but all- I think also a little bit game wise. But mostly was like movie stuff, and of course, PlayStation has been hacked before. It's PlayStation specifically has been hacked before, uh, and let's not forget uh, countless of DDoS attacks on like PlayStation uh, Plus services and like PlayStation Online and stuff like that over the years. So this is nothing new, but it is allegedly the biggest hack in the company's history um assuming that the ransomers are the ransomware peeps are like being truthful and all of that um i don't know it sounded a bit weird but yeah um okay i'm gonna speed run through this one as well as much as i possibly can so last week <laughs> gosh darn it there's so much there's so much last week um Microsoft had a leak, and this leak was about basically this. This leak was from documents issued towards the the FTC Microsoft uh, battle, specifically towards the, the the judge overseeing the case. Because if you remember a couple of months ago, some information leaked from like redacted in quotes uh, documents. Uh, where we found out how much uh, like PlayStation spent on like their exclusives, um, because it was like it was redacted with a sharpie and not really good. Uh, so you could actually like see through the sharpie like how much like every game that they that they made that was an exclusive to PlayStation costs. Uh, suffice to say, it was a lot. I mean, kind of already figured, but this was like in the in the in the like seven figure seven eight seven eight seven eight nine figures um but I, it was a lot um but yeah so they had to redo that and then send it to the courts and so they kind of did um they uploaded a redacted version but apparently, if you like open that redacted version, not in the browser, but in Adobe, uh, in Adobe Reader or like the Adobe Pro or whatever, it wasn't redacted anymore. <laughs> so you could see literally everything, including hidden files within that documentation. And first, people are like, "Oh, the FTC is taking revenge because they lost the whole thing and blah blah blah." And the FTC came out really quickly and said they denied it. It's not them. And then we found out from Microsoft themselves, it was coming from inside the house again. <laughs> this is like, like, what the hell? Who? Okay, whoever was in charge of uploading these files is so fired. Not only that. I would not even be surprised if this person was blacklisted from the entire tech industry. Because not only 
the 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 thing is the consequences is very dire because what was in these files were among other things uh communique personal communiques from people from Microsoft including Phil Spencer we're going to get to him trust me we're going to get to him but also plans for Microsoft over the next 10 years starting with uh basically the end of the Xbox 1 line all the way up to their next gen system and everything in between so indies was a presentation obviously meant for only internal microsoft and xbox division uh people where they showed off a bunch of things and what they were working on and what their standings were currently these files were from like 2020 by the way um so one of them had a slide for the mid-gen refresh, which I'm pretty sure Microsoft said they were not going to do a mid-gen refresh with the series. Um, if anything, they're, like, they were going to maybe do like different versions. Well, if you don't consider this a mid-gen refresh, this is definitely a different version of the Series X. So they're working on a new version of the Series X, which is, for the starters, it's cylindrical, so it's not a box. Um, I think this is the first time it is like not box shaped, which is kind of funny because the Xbox 360 technically was not box shaped either, but whatever, semantics. Um, but yeah, like it was, it's cylindrical, has an install, it has, has a solid state drive of two terabytes and has no disk drive. Yeah, it also uses Wi-Fi 6C, but that's not really the point. It has no in the disk drive. So basically, it's a Series X powered, uh, probably with like slightly cheaper chips because the chipset is now a bit older and better to be produced, so it's cheaper. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. This is supposed to be the top of the line, right? They're deciding that that does not deserve a disk drive because they and i quote find an adorable all digital system end quote i might be paraphrasing um yeah so in their own documentation they were calling it adorable adorably diskless holy smokes okay so where do we begin with this the fact that they decided that they were going to do this with their high-end system, meaning that they would phase out the current version of the Series X, I'm assuming they would either phase it out or they would keep it as a third option. Maybe they call this one the XS, you know, extra small or whatever. I don't know. I don't care. Um, it has a project name. The project name is Brooklyn with an I instead of a Y. Uh, Brooklyn. And uh, yeah. Um, Look, I'm going to be honest. I have an Xbox Series S. The only reason I got it was because it was on sale for the holidays. It was a cheap way to get into the Xbox ecosystem again. And basically, I was already using Game Pass, except I was using it on my PC with uh, Xbox, Cloud, uh, Xbox Cloud Gaming, which is fine. Um, but at least this way, you have access to like uh, more games and you can install them on the Xbox Series S. 
And that was the main idea behind it. And that's fine. I'd personally rather have a Series X, but that thing be expensive. Um, <laughs> so if this is supposed to be a cheaper alternative to the X, uh, <laughs> okay. Still worrisome. Still a lot of worrisome that they would choose to do something like this. Uh, maybe they introduce a disk drive for in the future. Honestly, if we're going to do that, you might as well introduce a disk drive that's also compatible with the Series S. Because honestly, I would I would really love to have a disk drive because it is very painful buying new games on the Series X. Like, I bought Street Fighter VI. The Street Fighter VI is the only Xbox Series game that I've bought so far. And that, like, when I had to, like, plunk that se- that 70 bucks down, I was like, mm, okay, it's because I really want that game, but ooh, ooh, I'd rather have waited until it was on discount. And, like, with disc, it goes a lot quicker. But digital, that depends on the publisher, dude. And they usually go for holidays, and they'll usually wait a whole year until they do, like, a permanent decent discount um and it's like mm, hard to find deals for digital only man uh but i still got it i still got it it's, it's, like, it's hard and like i'm definitely gonna get a playstation 5 down the road but trust you me unless there's a disc on that on that hardware i ain't getting it because if it doesn't have a disc drive no um, I'm not gonna get. I'm never gonna get the disc list. I'm not gonna get the disc list unless it's the disc list that's been rumored to also ha- have an attachable disc drive. Then it's fine. I'll pick it up. Like I have PlayStation Plus. Um, I can like wear and tear on that until I get the disc drive with it as well. You know what I'm saying? That I don't mind. But the fact that you don't even give an option for a disc drive is just like, nah. I'm good for that. Um, they also had like a revamped controller on there called Project Sybil. Um, looks weird. It's like two tone black and white, really super weird. Um, this was going to be a revamp of the controllers to bring it up to speed with modern controllers, like, you know, the switch and the PlayStation and more, more. And so closer to the PlayStation five controller, which has haptic feedback, you know, the, uh, the triggers, um, Xbox kind of already had similar triggers to that, so I don't think those were going to change. But mostly the haptic feedback. And haptic fee- and sound produced through haptic feedback, which, again, the, the Joy-Cons already do. The Joy-Cons are able to produce sound through the haptic feedback. It's really cool um, when games use them. Not a lot of games use them. I don't even remember which games use them, but like some games use them and it's really cool. It's a shame that not a lot of people are using the haptic feedback on these systems. But if all three major public, uh, all three major platform holders have haptic feedback, you gotta finally do something with the haptic feedback as a, as a developer. I feel like now there's parity across all platforms because it started with switch then PlayStation 5. So if Xbox finally joins that little family of haptic feedback using uh, shenanigans, we get to get some really cool haptic feedback stuff, especially with whatever Nintendo's working on as the successor to the Switch. They have to be using like HD Rumble again or an evolved version of HD Rumble, just pure haptic feedback on that as well. I have to believe that because it would be super weird if they suddenly took that out for whatever reason. 
Um, and uh, gyro control. So freaking yes, finally, I could actually play like a game on my Xbox with like Splatoon like accuracy, which I oh like even now I like I play through like Starfield. I'm like I'm aiming down the sides. I'm like gosh darn it! I wish I had gyro controls right now, like I do on the Switch, because it's like the the little tweaking of just like moving the. Do I have my my controller here? No. Um, the little tweaking that you do with your like controller is just it's so good and satisfying when you do that with like especially in the first person shooter and you're aiming down the sights, it's like, yeah, like you can like move your hand like a little bit and it's like you're using the analog stick and you're like zoning in on that, like uh, zoning in on like your target, and it's like crack hat shot every time. Um, but you don't, you don't have that. You have like the stiff, like analog controls, like you always had on like older controllers. And it's just like, that is not enough anymore in 2023. But yeah, that's supposed to come out. I don't know with that new system or if it's a separate thing, who knows? Um, it also apparently has like customizable, like, like analog sticks or whatever, or modifiable or something like that, kind of like on the Elite controller, um, which probably means that they're doing something about that. They might also just straight up change them for hall sensing, the, like, analog sticks. Who knows at this point? It's not out here, but... Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, what else? Oh, yeah. Um, like, uh, Bethesda's whole lineup as of 2020 was also part of this leak. And it had a bunch of games that were not announced yet, like Dishonored 3 and uh, uh, Doom Year 1. Uh, remaster, rem- a remake or remaster? I think it was a remaster. Remaster of uh, Fallout 3, the first Fallout game that I ever played. And uh, Oblivion? Elder Scrolls of Oblivion, I want to say. Uh, which is big because I've never played Oblivion. I had an Xbox 360 back in the horse armor days, but I didn't pick up Oblivion back then because I honestly didn't care. To me, that game was ugly as sin. I know that people enjoy the game a lot, but let's be real. One, that game did not age gracefully. And two, let's be real, even back then, it was not the prettiest game in the shed. Um, it's cool that you had like essentially like an open world, um, and I'm sure it had like deep like lore and stuff because you know Bethesda games tend to do that. But uh, yeah, I was not really into like like I saw like sh- like screenshots of like Morrowind on PC and I was like Yee! I was like even back then I was like Yee! <laughs> but then again you have to imagine as a Nintendo fanboy like I'm used to seeing like pretty colors and stuff and like everything looking pristine and stuff like you know like even like. Stuff that was more on the dark side, like Twilight Princess, still looked like way better than anything they were doing on like Unreal Engine three at the time, with all the br- freaking brown and everything, you know, and like gunmetal gray. Like all the games were gunmetal gray or brown, <laughs> or a combination of the two, and like maybe a hint of like super dark green. It's like oh my god! But when they did an update and they introduced the meat cube and it was red and it's like. They also had added like actual grass textures. So like, oh, they finally added color. <laughs> and then when they and then when EA made uh 
uh, Mirror's Edge in Unreal Engine 3, you're like, wait, Unreal Engine is capable of actual colors? I mean, I know the game is mostly white and red, but there's like actual colors in this game. I didn't know the Unreal Engine could even like accept these colors. <laughs> I don't know. I'm being a little bit silly, but come on, let's be real. Um, yeah, and like a bunch of other stuff got announced, and like like games when games were supposed to come out. So like apparently, um, Elder Scrolls Six was supposed to come out in twenty. 2024, uh, Starfield was supposed to come out in 2022, but it got, obviously it got delayed um, for obvious reasons, which you could say it was for the better or it was for worse, or actually it was for the better. Let's be real. It was for the better. Um, it would never be for the worse because that would make no sense. And yeah. Um, Obviously, that didn't happen, and now that Starfield is out, you know, they still have to support it. They're updating it. I wouldn't be surprised if they add DLC, because they always do. So, like, even on those projections, they're like, oh, in two years, we're going to do, like, Elder Scrolls. They have, they're still in pre-production for that game at this point in time. It ain't happening. It straight up ain't happening. Um, Obviously, and they showed off a bunch of other stuff, like, DLC for that, like, Doom that Doom Year One game that was that's apparently in the works um, that we didn't even know that was exi- that existed. We don't even know what kind of Doom game it is. But uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, to have your ten year plan. Oh yeah, sorry, ten year plan on display. Almost forgot. They even had a description of what they were aiming for for their next gen system, which they are aiming for to, to release in twenty twenty eight which means that this current generation, as far as Xbox is concerned, ends in 2028 when the new system goes out. Now, I am inclined to believe that they will keep the structure, at least of the development cycle of their hardware, and that we will see the next generation Xbox in 2028. The big thing to take away from that one is that they are calling it a cloud hybrid console. Now, considering that they're making this big push towards cloud gaming with Xbox Cloud, I mean, Xbox cloud Gaming and the whole Game Pass thing, um, it would make sense because one other feature that I forgot about the, the Sybil controller, Project Sybil, is um, that it also connects to cloud services or the cloud service, specifically Xbox Cloud Gaming, which would be great because kind of like how the Stadia controller uh, connects directly to um, like the games in the cloud uh, to reduce latency instead of connecting to you know the console and then the console connecting to the cloud service. Um, it reduces the latency like ridiculously a lot, which is great um, if true. If that's your way of gaming. And clearly, this was also aimed at the next-gen system. Because Xbox has done actually a pretty good job in like having backwards compatibility, even with the controllers. Um, like Xbox One controllers and like the One Elite work on an Xbox series. Um, and I want to say vice versa. I think an Xbox series controller also works on Xbox One. 
Um, I don't know if the Elite 2 works on an Xbox One, but I'm pretty sure like the regular Xbox Series controller works on an Xbox One because there's like zero dif- there's like zero difference between the two. It's just better ergonomics, I think. Um and like also, you know, being able to connect to the newer system. So yeah, that <laughs> there's a lot more with the Xbox thing. I oh my god, I even forgot about the big thing. Yeah, uh Phil Spencer, we ca- we have to talk biscuits right now, because what the hell? Like one of the things that leaked out was a like personal emails, and this one was really specific because it was Phil Spencer emailing um like some higher up at Microsoft about like future like potential plans for the future. This again was from 2020, where he uh, sent an email out that he, that he was that they were aiming to acquire Nintendo and maybe like Valve. Okay, like first of all, clearly someone did not learn a lesson from the past because they tried to buy Microsoft. They Microsoft tried to buy Nintendo before settling on making their own system, and they got laughed at essentially, by Nintendo reps um, uh, and leadership at the time. Um, basically, like, ah! okay, yeah, cool, yeah, no, my brah, bye. Um, and now, like, uh, fast forward to 2020, and Phil Spencer is basically being like, oh, like, oh, yeah, uh, if we acquire Nintendo, it'll be the career achievement of a lifetime. First of all, fucking obviously, Wow, okay, I used the F word there. Oh, boy, that's going to be fun. Um, so, yeah, um, that's, like, and, it, like, and it, oh, gosh, damn it, I need, I need, the, I need the, the actual quote, because I do not know that from the top of my head. Um, so, yeah, he basically is, like, yeah, uh, we are like trying to acquire like uh Nintendo and we have this dude uh we have this dude buying Nintendo shares for us um so that we can like ply them essentially and make them more uh willing to um be bought out Right. There was like they he mentions like um he mentions like Valve by name for just like one line and doesn't go back to it, which is interesting. Um but yeah, it's like okay, brother. Um care to care to like gosh darn elaborate on that? But no, he doesn't elaborate on the Valve stuff, just on the Nintendo of it all. And uh, he basically is like, oh, yeah, Nintendo just doesn't know that they that they want to be bought. It's just going to take a long time for them to realize that. And, like, the way... Honestly, I wish I, I, wish I could find like, that article. The way that he just, like, he words it in that email at the end is so unbelievably slimy and gross. First of all, like you're sending this email out in 2020 and saying that you're looking into buying Nintendo. Nintendo in 2010 was doing like gangbusters. This is Animal Crossing Nintendo. Animal Crossing New Horizons Nintendo. During the pandemic Nintendo. 
They were making money hand over fist. They couldn't get switches out enough on time. Partially because of the pandemic, but also because everybody and their brother was playing freaking Animal Crossing. The same Nintendo that is selling consistently more consoles than you guys have ever done, minus the Wii U. Now, if this was a thing that they were aiming for back when the e the Wii U was doing like absolute crap, like remember the Switch was Nintendo's Hail Mary in 2017, and then it did so well that they were like, "All right, we're back on top. We're gonna do some cool stuff with this," and that's why I've been getting super cool games on the Switch, not just from Nintendo but also from third parties, which is super cool to see. Now, if I was an exec at Microsoft, why the hell would I first of all buy the competition other than to say that we took out the competition by buying them out, which honestly, in my opinion, doesn't feel like that much of an achievement if you just have money to throw around. That is the definition of too much money. I mean, they're already spending almost $70 million, sorry, that's wrong, $70 billion on Activision Blizzard, of all things. And <laughs> they're like, okay, we're going to take out the competition because that'll be a great career opportunity? Get out of here. No. Like, nobody, like, talk about just ruining, for one, ruining an entire brand in one go because they think that they need their hardware. Like, Nintendo needs their hardware. I'm sorry. Have you, like, here's the thing. Phil Spencer plays games from other systems. He knows Nintendo games are great, and what makes them great, bar none, is that they make their own hardware. And because they make their own hardware, they know how to get the most out of their own. And by able to take, get the most out of their own hardware, they make the best games possible. You think that if they were making games exclusively for Xbox, they'd achieve the same thing? No, because they're not in control of it. They're not in control of the ecosystem. And you can say, like, well, what about the other devs that they bought? I'm like, all I need to do is say Halo Infinite and Redfall. And that's all I need to say. Halo Infinite came out way too soon. It was announced way too soon. It was showed off way too soon. And when it came out, it was a piece of crap. To the point at which that promised features that they said would always be a part of the franchise were now legacy and weren't going to come back. Specifically, Couch Co-op. Which is like... The fact that they've already, like, kind of crushed the Halo franchise and then decided to spit on the fans with that little factoid? I'm sorry. If I was a fan of Halo, I'd be very insulted. And you know what? I'm pretty sure that a lot of Halo fans are pretty insulted that it's not happening. I'm sure there are enough people playing it because it's free with Game Pass. Again. Nobody going to look a free gift horse in the mouth. So they'll play it anyways. But their disappointment in check. But let's be real. Like, are they giving their developers the time they need? 
because Redfall didn't do so well either, and that game came out super crappily. Now, one could say that they gave enough time to Starfield, and even that, I have to give some doubts, but at the same time, it is a Bethesda game, so it is what it is. And that game was already in development before they got bought anyway. Anyways, so it's like, there was nothing you could do about that one. Again, it's also a Bethesda game, so take with that what you will. Um, but, like, it's been slim pickings for, like, a really long time for Xbox fans if you're talking about first-party games. So we're getting Forza, like, later this week or later this month. I don't know. I honestly don't care. There are Forza fans out there. I'm sure they're aesthetic about it. And you know what? More power to them. Great for them that they're getting a new game in their uh, in their uh, in the lineup of games uh, for that franchise, which is good. It is good. It's great, even. But you can't tell me that all their acquisitions ended up going super smooth because we're still waiting on a whole bunch of games that are still being developed. And considering that we've only seen the Bethesda stuff aside from this leak, um. Yeah, good, bro. Because there's a bunch of games on that list that got obviously delayed, like Elder Scrolls 6, but also games that apparently were supposed to be out by now, or at the very least announced, which we had no recollection of. We have no idea that they were being even like made until this leak happened. So when were you going to announce the, the, the new Doom game? When were you going to announce... The, the the remakes, because the only thing we had on those two were rumors. And, like, you know, rumors you always have to take with a grain of salt. But now we have the proof in the book game because Microsoft delivered the pudding to us. So at the end of the day, the real question that becomes, if all these games that are allegedly in the works have been in the works since 2020 or 2021, where the hell are they? Why haven't we heard anything about them? And yes, I have. I this, is this ironic because I am the guy that just said y'all y'all announced a bunch of games way too soon, like a Halo Infinite. That is absolutely true. Do not announce games too soon. Like look at Nintendo; they always announce games and they come out in a matter of months, right? Sometimes, if the, sometimes they'll announce something a bit too soon. Metro Prime for anybody. Zelda, um, Zelda Breath of the Wild sequel, anybody? Like, that That stuff was announced, like, way too soon, let's be honest. I'm not even gonna, like, deny that. But in most cases, Nintendo will announce a game, and in, like, the next three to six months, it is out. That is the way it usually works. Most, the like, most devs worth their salt outside of indie developers announce things on time now any developers will have to announce this stuff way earlier because they need to be able to like rally support like if they're doing like early access on like steam or uh on or on the epic store or whatever like they need to be able to rally that support for that early access so they can get going stuff like that so i'm not even counting that that's separate but as a big publisher as a big development house, if you're announcing games years in advance and assume that you can keep the hype up, no, 
that is not great. That is not great at all. Like, people, like, come on. I just mentioned Metroid Prime 4. Like, that got announced in 2017 at the beginning of the Switch's life cycle. The Switch is coming to an end next year. And we still haven't seen hide nor hair of the reboot of the friend of the of the of the project. It's got re- rebooted in 2018 from the ground up. Have we heard anything about it? No. All we know is that it's still in development and still exists at Retro Studios. That's it. Oh, and they're still hiring people for it, which doesn't really like bode a lot of like good, but who knows at this point? Honestly, who knows at this point? I will say this though. Um, Phil Spencer, yeah, um, maybe pump your brakes on buying Nintendo and maybe try to get your house in order before you make any other acquisitions because you're making so many acquisitions, y'all can't clearly can't keep up with the development team and have to keep issuing apologies. Like hell. You have to issue an apology and get real with it when Redfall came out, which I have to say, I still give him kudos for how he handled that like backlash and like how he addressed it in the moment. But bro, you were hiding some fangs there and a lot of game fans do not approve. Also, Valve? So your idea of making the Microsoft store better would have been to buy Valve. Again, I do not understand the logic behind this. Valve is friggin' huge in terms of PC market share. So, no. Also, no. Also, for so many reasons, no. Like, I can't even imagine like what the hell you would do with Valve. Really? Oh gosh. Oh jeez. I've been going on for way too long. Uh, this episode is way too long. Um, uh, like honestly, that's the biggest stuff that 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 came out in the past couple of weeks. Just I'm gonna end. I'm gonna end the episode here, uh, fellas, because if I go even longer, it's just gonna take forever. But yeah, that is it for this episode of Game Rivals. <laughs> what a doozy, wasn't it, fellas? Oh my gosh, Rivals. What a doozy. Can't even get into the whole Sony hacking. And just, oh my goodness. Well, look at it this way. October is literally around the corner. There's a bunch of awesome games about to come out. Just, you know, fall is here. Bundle up. Get warm, get cozy, and play some of your favorite new games coming out. Spider-Man 2, Super Mario Wonder, WarioWare. Uh, oh my gosh, there's a bunch of other games coming out this month. I can't even know. What is this? So many games coming out. I don't even remember which games are coming out. It's so many. Um. Yeah, like I said, uh, Forza... God, October is stacked, yo. <laughs> October is stacked. Um, anyway, <clears throat> if you're watching this, uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, please don't forget to drop a like. 
uh, leave a comment, subscribe. It helps with the visibility of the podcast. Um, you can also find us uh, on the audio version on any podcasting for, sir, uh, service that you prefer. Um, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher. Uh, our home is, of course, on Spotify. Um, uh, you name it, we're probably on there. Um, you can also uh, send feedback to us by email, uh, gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitch. I will be back starting October 3rd, and I'm going to be playing Dead Space Distraction for the Spooptober month. Um, also, if you're listening and watching this podcast, the month of October is going to have some special episodes because I'm going to have a, some special guests on. I'm even going to have a special Spooptober edition of Game Rivals. So please f- don't forget to subscribe on your favorite podcasting service. Subscribe on YouTube. Don't miss out. Hit that uh, hit that notification bell so you get updated as soon as the latest episode comes out. I have been and always will be Maximilian X, and I will see all of you beautiful rivals. Mm-hmm.